Hi, and welcome to Poetry Aloud. I'm your host, Hannah Russolo. On Poetry Aloud, I connect with other contemporary poets and read their work. We communicate back and forth over email or over Skype, and I ask them the following questions. Why did you choose these words? What were you feeling when you wrote this poem? What were you hoping to communicate? What would you like us to know about your poetry? Every week, I read one poem that they chose from their collection and one poem that I choose from their collection. Then, I talk about their work and provide some insight into what they were thinking while writing and what I was thinking while reading. At the end of the show, I read some of my own poems and provide you with ways to join this little poetry community that I'm trying to create. Welcome to Poetry Aloud. Hey everyone, and welcome back. <laughs> um, I hope you had a lovely April. I know I certainly did. I actually did uh, National Poetry Month, so I wrote a poem every day uh, in April, which was difficult, but ultimately rewarding, um, and didn't leave much room for other creative endeavors, <laughs> which is why you're getting this episode now. But I'm so glad to be back here with you to talk about poetry and its effervescence and yet permanence. <laughs> and uh, today I'm just talking about the poet Karen Poppy. Um, Karen actually graduated from Smith, which I did too. We both went to Smith College, which, you know, always gives a little bit of a bond, especially with a small college like Smith. Um, and today I'm talking about two of her poems. One is from her collection, Our Own Beautiful Brutality, which I mean that title, Our Own Beautiful Brutality, which... <sighs> our own beautiful brutality. Damn, you know, sometimes you read something and you're like, oh, I wish I had written that. And I, I wish I had written that, that, our own beautiful brutality. I think it just speaks so well to the human experience. Um, and then her other poem is from her very first work called Every Possible Thing, which I reviewed at hannahrusolo.com. So without any further discussion or ado, as they say, <laughs> um, I'm going to read the poem that Karen chose for us to read today, um, which is called Matriarchy. Matriarchy. How was my life through yours made mine? Sometimes, every day, several times a day, actually, I'm lonely for you. Your exaggerated movements, your voice in deep register, your compact majesty. Sometimes, every day, several times a day actually, I'm angry at you, the richness and poverty of this gift, your voice and body, my legacy. At the end of life, Sable Leader passes matriarchy to one female in the group who takes on her traits. That female becomes dark and bold, more like a male. She becomes exactly like the passing matriarch, although no one knows how, whether pheromones or fate. How in sudden shift did I become you? Your eyes flashed and turned the way their minds do toward any perceived threat, however innocent. Unable to retract my words, I suffered greatly. My mind pricked and turned the way ears do toward the most important pricked and turned, wanting some remnant of you, wanting our story. For nothing is more painful than becoming, than knowing, the hard learning registered. 
the regret and anguished gratefulness forever. I felt the change even then, the moment over. How I laughed at you and said nothing. How you laughed at me and interred a twig with your shoe. A burial. A planting. Wow. <laughs> um, just wow. So I'll start with some of the words that Karen sent me, and then I'll talk a little bit about my thoughts about the poem. So this is what Karen sent. I wrote this poem about the complexity of how the matriarchy, animal and human, passes and is carried on by the next matriarch. Matriarchy in its many forms, familial, societal, and also the matriarchy formed through mentorship. Recently, my family matriarch passed at the age of 99, my grandmother Esther. She had a voice deep in register and, at four and eleven inches tall, compact majesty. She taught me so much, had incredible beauty, style, and fierce intelligence. I wrote this poem, Matriarchy, in late 2019, after visiting the B. Bryan Reserve in Point Arena, California that summer, a wonderful wildlife preserve with sable antelopes, giraffes, zebras, and other animals. While on tour of the preserve, the guide told us about how the sable antelope matriarch passes on leadership at the end of life to a female in the herd, and that female then takes on the matriarch's traits, including physical ones. The new matriarch becomes like the dying matriarch, darker and bolder, a leader. I am non-binary, so not female, but assigned female at birth and socialized as female. I am also a mother, which is such a large part of my identity. Being part of the matriarchy, learning from and mentored by wise matriarchs, such an honor and a privilege. Also, a deep responsibility that I engage in wholeheartedly. Hmm. I really love hearing the context of uh, why poets wrote their poems and where they got their inspiration. You know, sometimes something as simple as visiting a nature reserve or something as deeply uh, spiritual as visiting a nature reserve, right, um, can really spark a poem out of you. I know that I've had the smallest moments become poems, the smallest um, things said to me. Um, I, I once, uh, <laughs> I cut myself open while cutting bread and I had to get stitches. Um, and my partner took me to the hospital and, the, and on the way home, uh, not on the way home, when we were home, we were sitting on the couch. He took my hand and he said, is it too tender to kiss? And that created a whole poem uh, that I wrote about tenderness and what it means to be tender and to accept love and to allow yourself to be loved, right? Um, and that's kind of what I'm seeing here as well is this question of to accept love, but more than accepting love, accepting a legacy, accepting what is given to you by someone else. I'm looking at this poem and I'm loving these um, lines. Quote, the richness and poverty of this gift, end quote. That to me speaks volumes because it is a paradox, this gift of both life, but also this gift of legacy, this gift of inheritance and what that inheritance means. Uh, I think we've all at a certain point, um, after you get to be a certain age, kind of see our parents within ourselves, right? In the ways that we talk, in the ways that we move. And sometimes that bond is even stronger between parents of the same sex or socialized as the same sex, which is the case in um, Karen's life. And so this question of the things that I took from you that I wanted and also the things that I took from you that I didn't really want, right? This richness and poverty of the gift of 
being like someone else, of taking on the traits of those who raised you. Um, and there's this desire to want to forge your own path, but there's also this desire, and I see this so much in this poem, this desire of wanting to honor that path and wanting to be what the matriarch wants you to be, right? When you think of this sable antelope taking on the physical characteristics of the matriarch, this idea of a responsibility, a heritage that needs to be honored, that needs to be carried on. And, and that's that culture of care and that culture of power that continues on through generations is just astounding. There's another quote that I really love. Well, there's multiple, but this is another one. Um, quote, how in sudden shift did I become you? End quote. Um, this kind of speaks to what I was talking about before, this whole idea of waking up and kind of noticing, oh, wow, I really do this like my mother, or I do this like my father. Um, and kind of realizing, oh, without me even knowing, I have become a reflection of those around me. I've become a hybrid between myself and between those who nurtured me. Um, that eternal question, nature versus nurture, this complicated legacy, this complicated history that makes a person into themselves. And um, that parallel is continued later on. Um, quote, your eyes flashed and turned the way their minds do toward any perceived threat, end quote. And then in the next stanza, quote, my mind pricked and turned the way their ears do toward the most important, end quote. There's that parallel. It's the same, but different, right? For the matriarch, it's the eyes that flash and turn the way minds do. But for the persona, it's the mind that pricked and turned the way ears do. There's a connection there. There's a thread that weaves between the two of them. But in the end, each of them made it their own. And that's what I'm seeing in this poem. There's a thread that weaves all of us together, especially in a family setting. But we all make the different colored thread our own. We can, might change the way that it's weaved, right? Change the pattern, change the color, change the texture of the weaving. But it's still all part of the same quilt, at least in this case. I know in some cases people like to sever their threads and that's completely fine and totally up to them. But in this poem, in this case, it is about weaving a quilt all together. Wow, what an incredible poem to talk about <laughs> and to discuss. Honestly, it brought a lot out of me and I love it when poems do that. So this next poem I'm going to read is from Every Possible Thing, which is uh, the collection that I reviewed on henryslow.com by Karen, um, and I chose this poem, Pollination. Every Possible Thing is really a work that is rooted in nature and um, the connections between nature and humans, which is funny to say because we are a part of nature, but you know, <laughs> um, and you can kind of see that in the poem I just read, Matriarchy, but in this one especially. Pollination. It is all pollination, creation the most fertile place, deep recess, soft-petaled vibration, sun-steepled exploration, discovery, pollen on stamen. We dust our feet with it, dance, the shape of language. Hive and lace, every surface, 
perfect, not surface. Every barrier and opening, geometric. Slow rush of destiny within honeycomb. Inflection of tongue, golden, brought to womb, a room, inner chamber, a layer, percolation. Every sweetness, every fruit, every root owes itself to this obsession. Each generation much improved by the last one. What will happen when we bees all die, are gone? Optimism for bees symbolism. Immortality. Yeah, again, this poem really brings into the idea of life and what propagates life and the connections that we have with our animal counterparts. I think a lot about bees. Um, I recently read this post, I think it was on Twitter, about how we kind of lost the thread when it came to like dancing and singing and writing about how we made them into commodities, how they had to be um, something that produces well, uh, you know, capitalism at its finest. But we actually do those things, dance, sing and write because we do, because we're human the same way that bees dance and bees dance for communication. But I mean, don't humans dance for communication in a way too, for communication with ourselves, if not for anything else, for communication with the overall universe that is us, um, not to get too into it, but that's what I'm seeing in this poem, this idea of quote, soft petaled vibration, sun steepled exploration, discovery, end quote. These sharp images, all of which culminate to this beautiful idea of life, pollination, exploration, discovery, sun steepled. Gosh, sun steepled is just so beautiful. This just brings such a wonderful image into your brain. And one of the reasons I love this poem is the interspersing of these images that some are just flashes and others there's the themes of the bees that continues through it over and over this symbolicism and the symbiotic of our lives connected to the bees right quote when we bees all die are gone optimism for bees symbolism immortality end quote we bees all die are gone. And there's been a lot of talk, well, less recently, when I was younger, there was a lot more talk about um, the bees disappearing and how that would really, really not go over well with our ecosystem. And, you know, you know me, I'm a little bit like, sometimes I think humans, maybe, <laughs> maybe the earth would be better. We weren't here, but at the same time, we do, we must give something to this earth other than just pollution. And that's why I really love this poem by Karen, because it reminds me that we're not just the sum of corporations, right? We're not just the sum of large-scale pollution that's done by some stranger super far away. Not that it's not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility in terms that we're not the ones who did it, but we do have to try and stop it. But in any case, capitalism and pain, that is not our legacy. Our legacy is, quote, dance, the shape of language, hive and lease, every surface perfect, end quote. Our legacy is to dance just because we want to dance, not because we feel like we want to commodify it and make money off it. 
just because we feel it in our bones that it is the thing to do because that is what makes us human. That is what makes us animal. And that is what makes us part of this world. (laughs) Really got into it with that one. Um, But just goes to show how powerful Karen's poetry is. It really starts you, it really gets you thinking about our place in the universe and about the threads that weave us all together. And it's really wonderful. All right, so here's a little bit about Karen. Karen Poppy has work published in numerous literary journals, magazines, and anthologies. Her chapbook, Crack Open slash Emergency, is published by Finishing Line Press 2020. And she has another chapbook forthcoming with Finishing Line Press, Our Own Beautiful Brutality 2021. Her chapbook, Every Possible Thing, is published by Homestead Lighthouse Press 2020. An attorney licensed in California and Texas, Karen Poppy lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. If you'd like to know more about Karen and her work, I really recommend going to her website, karenpoppy.com. You can find links to all three of her chapbooks for purchase. Um, And it's always better to purchase directly from the poet themselves, you know. Uh, Plus, most of the time you get it signed. I know that if you purchase from my website, you get a nice signed copy. So it just adds a little bit of feeling. Um, And Karen left this really sweet message for uh, all of the listeners. I have a message for those tuning into the podcast. So many of us have been slowed down or even have had our lives upended during the pandemic. It is important to acknowledge our sadness, our grief, and at the same time to remember that the world is magnificently gorgeous and slowly reopening to us. Go and keep going. If that's not a Karen message, I don't know what is. (laughs) Magnificently gorgeous and slowly reopening to us. Just like a flower in bloom. Beautiful. All right, so I'm going to end uh, this episode of Poetry Aloud with one of my own poems. This one is not from Ocean Currents. This one is from my first book called Fragments of View. Um, It's about my my love, Emma, who died when we were both 19. Um, And it's about the love that I felt for her and the grief I experienced um, after she died. And... (sighs) And I want to say the healing that came afterwards, but healing from grief is a is a very strange thing, and it's never completed. It just kind of feels like a scar, um, but like a raised scar. Um, in any case, this poem is from Fragments of You, which you can buy on my website, and I will sign and send it to you. Um, and it's called Winter Preserves. I peel back the skin on my skull and crack it open. I take out my mind, entwined and matted and pink and pulsing. I want to twist and pull in your hands. You can leave me to harden on cold November pavement. I saw a magpie without its partner today. It pecked at my scraps, leaving spiderweb scars on my hand. I wish I could put my mind in a box like stale crackers. I would go to it when I think of you and taste the dry crumbs. Thanks so much for tuning in. The next episode will come out within the next month. I've decided to give myself a little bit of leeway. Um, And until then, keep writing. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Poetry Aloud. To receive updates about the podcast and submission calls, or just to say hello, follow me on Twitter at PoetryAloudPod or email PoetryAloudPod at gmail.com. I also have a newsletter, so if you're interested in that, just let me know. 
If you'd like to support the podcast and my work, please consider donating at co-fi.com slash poetryalloudpod. That link is in the Twitter bio as well. Poetry Aloud is recorded, written, and produced by Hannah Russolo. The logo for Poetry Aloud was created by Sophia Tancredi, and the music was created by Violet Smith. Thanks so much, and until next time.